is being a parent to an adult different than being a parent to a child? Welcome to my podcast, Stanhope Rocks, making a difference in men's lives. Each week, I bring you stories, interviews, and discussions on topics that affect men's lives. Real men discussing real topics, developing real tools that can be used daily to make a real difference and meaningful change in your life. As Albert Einstein once said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. So think differently and make a choice in your life today for meaningful change. Now, let's get to today's podcast. Welcome. Today's podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about being a father to adult daughters. Last week, I did an interview with uh, a good friend of mine, Brandon Licatino, who was a father, first-time father to a young girl with another little girl on the way. And the podcast was about being a father for the first time. And what I have learned is basically what we do with our children manifests itself out as they become adults. And how we parent a child and an adult are different and similar. So today we're going to talk more about moving down the road of what it was like when my kids were younger and how that's manifested itself out to parenting them as adults. Now my daughters are grown, late 20s, early 30s, married, kids, one's engaged. The things that they needed from me when they were younger, a lot of that they don't need anymore because they earn their own money, they feed themselves, they take care of themselves, they solve their problems, and they deal with life. They have relationships, obviously. <laughs> to Rewind just a little bit. My story came from a very male-dominant household with a very male-oriented father, two brothers, lots of male energy, and had that all my life, sports, hunting, fishing, etc., etc. I had no sisters at that time. The activities that we would do really didn't bring in a lot of female energy into my life until I started dating and eventually got married. And after I got married, uh, we had obviously two daughters. And when we had the first daughter, I was so surprised to find out it was a girl that my comment to the doctor was, what am I going to do with a daughter? I, I was really somewhat clueless. I thought, oh my God, everything that I've learned is now not going to work. At least that's what I told myself. So fast forward, I'm now married this is to my first wife, and I just want to take a second. Uh, her name is Laura, and we're no longer married, but we're still very good friends. And even though I'm talking a lot in this podcast about the things that I do, she was very much a part of that and very much a part of the way the kids were raised and very much a part of the way that my daughters are now as young women, and she's very involved in their life, as is my current wife. And so we're very fortunate that we have one of those families where we were able to uh, it didn't work out 
but it did. So I just wanted to bring that up and give credit where credit is due. So fast forward, I now have two daughters on the ground. I have a wife, two daughters, a female cat, a female dog. How did I get there? And what do I do? So I went about my trying to do, okay, well, I'll get them to hunt and to fish with me and I'll, they'll get them to do the music with me. And, and guess what? It was a total different agenda. And they had their own agenda because they were young women. When I raised my daughters early on, I started to understand that I was going to have to do something different. A lot of the couples and families that we would hang out with obviously had daughters. So I became very involved in the women's sports, gymnastics, cheerleading. They were involved. I coached the women's softball uh, that my youngest daughter played on, volleyball, the whole spectrum. And so it's kind of interesting that now my life was all about young women. And we had friends that had young sons, but they we were not as involved with them as we were my daughter's friends. As I raised them, I learned a couple of very valuable lessons. At first, I made an attempt to get them to do what I wanted to do. You know, all the things, if I wanted to play basketball or if I wanted to do something in hunting or fishing or I wanted to do something very male-oriented, then I attempted to put them in that mold and that just wasn't fitting. So I had a choice. Again, because we talked earlier in a podcast about choices, I had a choice. I could continue to force them to do what I wanted them to do or I could maybe learn... That number one, whether they're a young daughter or they're a young son, there is a lot of similarities. They're still people and they still have choices and they have behavioral issues. And yes, there will be some change in the way that women deal with things and men deal with things. I got my first real dose of men and women were equal. As I was raised, my dad being a male chauvinistic type of old school dude was like basically women are created out of the rib of man. Therefore, it set this thing up that men are up here and women are not. And so deep inside me, I had this imbalance that was going on that I needed to deal with. As I started to understand all the beautiful things of what they were bringing me, I started to understand that there was a lot more similarities to raising sons and daughters than I thought there was. There was still, I had a lot of friends who wanted to put women over here and men over here, and I get that. And that was a theme that I had to work through my entire life. And eventually, I realized the gift that I was given by having two daughters. It helped balance out my scale of life and give me a perspective that I would have never had, I don't believe, if I would have had all boys and continued down the road that I did. So in looking back, there were some behavioral pieces and some pieces that I started working with my daughters on. And what I wanted to teach them early on was about consequences, 
I wanted to teach them that they are not their behaviors. I wanted to teach them accountability. And so I started studying, and at that time, there was not the wealth of information out there that there is today. And I was looking at Stephen Covey's work, effective habits, decision-making, and I started to understand how important it was to nurture these young women. Because instinctively I knew that at some point they would go away and they would be a mother or they would be a wife or a wife and a mother and they would have only what their mother and I taught them and that they learned with life. So a couple of things that I, that, that I just touched on I want to cover that I think were some of the most valuable lessons. And I've talked to them, and they've fed back to me some of the things that stuck, some of the things that worked, some of the things that didn't. Consequences versus punishment. Early on, I figured out it was a lot more effective if they understood that whatever behavior they had, there was a consequence to it. And if they chose something that was not in line or it had a, every, all their choices had consequences, let's put it that way. So if they made a choice that was not what I would consider a good choice or was not a choice that bettered them, instead of punishing them, it was our job as parents to come up with a natural, logical consequence because that made the most sense to me as an adult. We don't have other adults that punish us. We have a system that if we don't do well, if we go out and hurt somebody, then the system will punish us. What we live with more are our consequences. Explaining consequence versus punishment to a young girl is next to impossible. <laughs> they would tell me, Dad, you may call it consequence, but to me it's punishment, you know, whether they, they have their consequence is say that they were supposed to be home at a certain time and they made a choice not to be home at that time. The natural consequence was is when they wanted to go out again to play with that particular friend, that they weren't allowed to play with that friend because they did not live by the agreement that we had both agreed upon. That's a consequence. In their world, it was a punishment. And I had to accept the fact that that's just the way that a young girl, a young guy is going to see life. Sooner or later, they will understand if we do our job as parents and line up consequences to the behaviors, they'll see the benefit. That was the hardest thing. Finding a logical consequence to a behavior is challenging. Therefore, a lot of parents abandon it because they run out of patience and they go straight into punishment. And what kids, I believe, they don't understand is if they, if they were late, why do they get hit with a belt? Why do they get punished? That doesn't line up. What lines up is, is if there's a consequence to their action, then they'll understand that it's not me that's punishing them, but it's really themselves that's living with the consequence of their choice. The next was that they are not their behavior. Number two, they are not their behavior. 
In other words, if they made a mistake, they are not bad. Their behavior is bad. Or their behavior will have consequences. Very, very important because now in studying Brene Brown and studying shame and vulnerability, this is one of the pieces of what she calls shame resilience, is understanding the difference between shame and guilt, where shame we take on that we are bad, where guilt is more of a behavior is not good. That was extremely important for me to teach them so that they knew that they were good. It's, it's another backhanded way of nurturing them. Because if they realize that they are good people and their behavior was not what they want it to be, they can change their behavior and they still don't lose and take on shame that they're bad. And they don't go down the shame spirals and they don't go down those paths of no return. Very, very important. Third, nurturing. Nurturing versus love. I've always I've struggled to find that definition because I did this with my, I had this talk with my mother very late in life where I felt my mother loved me and what I really wanted as an adult was to be nurtured by her. And so we worked together and she was, it was very confusing for a while. But I think the act of love is a way of being where nurturing is an action of love, if you will. And nurturing is continually feeding the children with positive, reaffirming messages that they're good, that they're wonderful people, that we make mistakes, we're not our behavior. It's just like I learned later in life around my work, around my business, that I am not my business. Well, my children are not their behavior. I'll give you a case in point. When they would come home with their grades, there's a couple of ways it approaches with children. Number one, you can say, look at their report card. Say they got a C an, or an A, a B, a C, and a D. One approach is, what the heck happened here with this D? Why did you get a D in this class? And a lot of emphasis goes on that. Well, a child can take on shame. It can take on this whole energy that it was bad. Another way of doing it would be to concentrate on, wow, I noticed that you got an A and a B in these classes, and that's incredible. Tell me about it. That's a very powerful word for the children. Tell me about it. And they would be so proud of themselves. Eventually, we would get around to understanding what needed to be done to maybe improve the D. And they would usually offer that up themselves once they started feeling worthy and they started feeling the nurturing themselves. And last but not least, at least for this podcast, and I give my ex-wife credit for this one, is to finish what you start. And they would try or they would go do a different sport or they would do something and then they may not like it and they would quit. And she would say, look, I want you to start this, give it a fair shot, and if it works, great, and if it doesn't, great. We won't force you to do it if you don't like it, 
but I want you to commit so that you can give yourself a fair chance to work through what you need to do. And that ties in with the nurturing, that ties in with you know accountability, that ties in with effort, it ties in with so many things. So these were the pieces that I felt were very important as they were being raised up at the time instinctually. And I didn't have as many as many resources to draw from. So we had to use our common sense, use what God gave us, and use what books were available at that time. Now fast forwarding, as my children have become adults, I've had to learn to parent differently. Some of the things that I went over earlier, I was going to reap those back because the lessons that they learned as children were now playing out as adults. What they didn't need from me anymore is they didn't need me to fix their dinner, to pick them up from school, to do all the things that I did as a father as they were growing up. What they needed as adults changed, and it was a very tough transi transition for me because my value as a parent was based upon how well I could take care of them. And now I no longer have to take care of them. They take care of themselves. And as an adult, I'm moving on with my life post-children, yet I'm very involved with them as a father and now a grandfather. One of the things that worked when, when they were younger, <laughs> one cute story is when they were younger, I figured out that if I did if I waited for them to do what I wanted them to do, I would be old and gray. So if I wanted to spend time with them when they were younger, I figured out what they wanted to do, and then I put myself right there. So I've watched my fair share of America's Next Top Model, the Kardashians, and a bunch of programs that I would have never laid eyes upon if I did not have two daughters. Yet I knew that if we sat on the couch and I watched these shows together with them, what difference did it make? I was with them. I was present with them. I spent time with them. They loved it. I loved it. We talked about it. And who cares what the subject matter was? The point is I was able to be present with them. That's one of, one of the pieces that I took with me as an adult to start parenting my adult children. You heard me talk earlier about shame and guilt. One of the pieces that I'm proudest of is that both of my daughters now know what shame is and they know what guilt is. They choose not to shame people and they choose not to shame themselves. They are not perfect and I am not perfect, yet to be able to recognize shame is a huge, huge piece. And the difference is that shame says you're bad and guilt says what you did was good or bad or there's consequences. You can see how that matches up earlier to when I told them you are not your behavior. And so we were able to morph that into a more modern 
way of description so that they could understand that they were good and they're human beings. It's their behavior. So that lesson translated to a more modern of recognizing shame and also using guilt because guilt is a behavior modifier. It's when we hold something up against who we want to be and the discomfort when we're feeling guilty is where we learn. So I called my daughter, my oldest daughter up, and I asked her, I said, I asked her about, so what were some of the things that you learned from me that now serve you as an adult or have served you in your married life? And she was so wonderful, said, well, there's way too many of them for this phone conversation, Dad. I said, well, let's just work on a couple. That just made my heart warm. One of the first things she said was, what you modeled for me, Dad, was how I should be treated by a man in my life. And I saw how you treated other women. You treated us. You treated Mom. You now treat your current wife. And even though we got divorced, we treated each other with respect. And I'm very proud about that, and I know she is too. So now, both of my daughters have attracted men in their life that are outstanding young men. Both of them remind me of some part of myself. It's funny, they say you marry your mother, you marry your father. There is some truth in that. And I see the common factor is both of these men treat my daughters with incredible respect. And they attracted that into their lives. They were not willing to be around people that did not nurture or respect them. Some of the work that was done early on has paid off now as adults. The second was I've always struggled personally with feeling that I was enough. Did I earn enough money? Did I give them enough opportunities? Did I do this? Did I do that? And so I fought this demon in the shadow of my life of not being enough. And they saw my battle and they saw my um, struggles with that. And because I struggled with it, I wanted to make sure that they knew that they were enough. because they are enough. And my youngest daughter wrote me a beautiful note one year about my struggles with not being enough. And she said, Dad, in the letter, she said, because of your struggles, you know, both Madison and I know that we're enough. Because we saw what you struggled with and we saw how you nurtured us and now we're willing to step up and we know we're enough. And we're enough to do these things, to pick men that love us, to be able to be nurtured and accept that nurturing and to grow. What she also talked about was, my daughter calls it unconditional love, which just blows my mind that she views me as giving her unconditional love. I always felt like I did, yet, not being enough, I felt like I could have done better. 
And I'm very happy that the parenting part of that is that they feel very adequate, they feel nurtured and loved, and they feel that because they got unconditional love, now they can give the unconditional love to their children. And as a grandfather, I'm seeing this. And it just touches my heart. To be able to see that unfold in front of my eyes, that parenting love. They have learned to nurture themselves They've learning to nurture their own children. And it all started with these early lessons. The other thing she talked about was how I give them space and respect their decisions. And this is probably the best way that I can parent as an adult. Is to take a back seat. Because when I walked down the aisle and I gave my daughter away to her husband, and I will with my youngest daughter, to me that's hugely important. It doesn't mean that I'm giving you them to take care of and you be their parent. It just means that this part of the life is now you're in a relationship with this man. And that is your core. And I'm here to love and support you as a father. And so I work very hard with both my son-in-law and my future son-in-law-to-be to respect their decisions, even if I don't agree, so that they can go through what I went through and they can learn the lessons of life without the shortcut of me telling them. Because it doesn't matter anyway when I've told them they don't listen anyway. <laughs> I'm sure anybody who's been a parent is, you know, that has experienced that. And that's okay. And that that means we're all human and we're not perfect. We just work work at it every day. I work very diligently at not cutting them short, letting them learn their lessons, learning, letting them learn their mistakes, their their victories, lessons, wisdom. It's somewhat of a optical illusion to think that I can control that part of them as adults. Yet I see it out there every day. Parents holding on, wanting to control. They control through money, through power, through all the things that I think are not natural. And it's all based upon fear of letting go. That if they let go of their child, then what will they do? And will the child still love them? And that's a risk we take as parents. Because I knew that when I, when my, both my girls turned 16 and they got their driver's license, I knew well that if I had not taught them or they had not learned the lessons of life about boys, dating, etc., I couldn't be in that car with them. It's like I can't be in the car with them today. What I can do is I can be there for them. And I can still be the rock. So when they need me, I'm here. I listen. I ask them, what do you need from me? How can I support you? 
How can I make your life better? And the way it manifests itself is they've learned to say on their side of the street, to own their own behaviors, to be responsible, to nurture themselves. And they've attracted men in their lives that they can be on that journey with. So parenting an adult daughter in some ways is just an extension of parenting as a child, although it's letting those lessons and everything and having the faith that they will come back to me. That I will be able to sit here and just hold space, if you will. What is holding space is to be present. It's the same thing I do with my granddaughter, my grandson, is I just go be present with them. That's the greatest gift I can give my daughters or my grandchildren. And as I talk about it, I get emotional. Because this is very important to me. It's very, very important to me. Being a parent is probably the greatest achievement in my life. And as I watch my daughters grow and make decisions, no, they're not perfect. Yet they know how to rebound. They know how not to take on the shame. They've developed shame resilience. They let the lessons, they learn their lessons. They're good people. They care. They love. It's reflected in their children, in their spouses, in the friends, when the friends come around. So part of parenting an adult is being able to receive, being able to sit back and see and to listen and to absorb and to love at a distance and to hold space for them. Hands down, my greatest joy is being a dad. Right up there, I'm learning, is being a granddad too. Because the old adage, I could turn them over to the parents. <laughs> Yet, I've learned to be more present as I'm 62 years old and I'm very good at being present. I wasn't that good when I was 25, 30, 35. I was too busy with life. And now, I'm not. And I can just be present for them and absorb it like a sponge to see them grow. And I hope that I gave my parents that same feeling before they passed away. Because it is a very complete feeling and now it's like, okay, now I've got the rest of my life to live just to absorb and to be present. And yes, do they still come to me occasionally for this or for that? You bet. Sometimes there's just nothing better than talking to your dad. And I miss that with my dad. So thank you for listening. 
I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you can glean a few little things out. And I hope if you're a parent to a, a, an adult, that you take time to listen and to be and to be present and put that phone down. Put those things away and just go be present with them. Because that is the old adage, my presence is your presence. So I'm going to say that again. My presence is your presence. Namaste. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today and I hope it got you thinking. If so, feel free to visit my website, stanhoperocks.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'd love to hear from you on what's changing in your life and where you're making a difference. Thanks and keep moving forward. Namaste. Namaste.